Okay, this morning, first, first I want to say what, what, what God has given through the word this morning, and, and thank God it's that. And when we talk about, if I talk about like men and women, and the Bible does that, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to see, and we'll see, we'll see where men and women can function in evil, and men and women can function in good, which is in Christ. We're going to see that too. And what I'm going to speak on is, uh, is quite a subject, the way that God has been preparing it in my mind for, for a while now. And usually when I, uh, when I prepare things, you know, I could, I could, be, I could be just into other, other things that he's giving and then you stop and he continues these thoughts. But this is what I believe uh, that God would have us to have this morning to give us a beautiful understanding, a clear understanding uh, of where we are in church history, where we are as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the church, uh, the called out ones and assembled uh, uh, around Christ. And so it's a very, very interesting subject, but the only way to do it is to get right in it. Okay. So, we're going to talk about where we are, again, as I said, in church history. We're going to see this. And I want to show, God wants to show us this morning through the scriptures, how the enemy, Satan, has completely reversed God's order. Okay? He's reversed God's order. And uh, that's a key thing. So, in 1 Corinthians 14.40, it says that God does all things, okay, honestly, openly, really decently, honestly and openly, uh, in order. God does all things in order. And, of course, that order has to do, if he's doing them, they have, they have to do, it has to do, that order has to do with his nature, his character, and his essence. It really is. It's the manifestation of his image. And so that's why when he created man, and we've said, you know, uh, again, that he, God created man in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 in his image. He created them male and female. Again, that's brought out in, in Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He created male and female. That's God's order. First and foremost, God's order, male and female, God's, God's perfect order. So again, a man functioning in God's order functions beautifully. He functions in a way that only a man can. A woman functions only in the order and image that God has created her in, in the perfection of God's order. It's that simple. So we see in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God created man in his image. And when it says that, it's man and woman. Because man in the Hebrew is ish, man, and Eve, mother of all living, taken out of the side of Adam, is called isha. Okay? We, do we all understand that? Can we all see that this morning in, in its beauty? Okay. So there's God's order. So now we see God's order, and we understand it. 
And by the time we get to Genesis chapter uh, 3, we're going to see how, what happened, and how the enemy sought to reverse God's order. And God's order, when we're talking about God's order now, we're talking about God's order in terms of humanity. But God is manifesting himself through humanity and teaching even that about the angelic conflict. So through that, he's teaching the order, his order and his image through humanity in a way that the angels, even the angels unfallen, are going to learn from. We see that again in 1 Peter 1 and verse 12. At the end of the verse, they look into the things of God. They look into us, the church, to understand the perfection of God's order, which has to do with his image. Because again, man and man was created in God's image. Again, we've said the, the prayer that the Holy Spirit gave the apostle uh, Paul. I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. And what is man but the image of God? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct separate parts, but individuals, but one in essence. Man is spirit, soul, and body. First and foremost, as God views us, spirit, soul, and body. So by the time we get to that, then we see the enemy coming in to reverse God's order. And we know that in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, God is not the author, the starter, the creator of confusion, but of life and peace. That's God's order. And God doesn't have an order outside of Christ. And men and women, men and women, us even today in the church, we don't have a proper image outside the perfection of God's order, and that is Christ. But going way back to Genesis, the third chapter, we see the enemy, and look what happens. And I'm going to read it here, and you can read it with me in your Bibles in Genesis 3. We're going to see in Genesis 3, verse 1, look what it says. And now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And this is where Satan is, is using the serpent, and at that time the most beautiful created animal that God had created. The beast of the field, which was the, the serpent. And he said through the serpent, he's now speaking through the serpent. And he said unto who? Who did he start speaking to? The woman. Okay? Now, let me say this to start again. There are many incredible, beautiful women of God, women of God, that function beautifully in their image as God created them and as he manifested himself and used himself through them. There are many godly, godly women. Now, I want to make that clear, okay? And when we talk about women today, we're not just talking about specific individuals, although that, that is true in the scriptures, but also how it entered into a system which was a complete reversal of God's order. And we're going to see how that happens this morning. So who does he get? He gets the woman. 
Now, whether the woman left the covering of Adam or whether he was lax and probably a little bit of both, we don't know. But we do know that the enemy went after Eve, the woman. And he said unto the woman, has God said you will not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said, now she's, into, now she's conversing with the enemy. Right? Because for whatever reason, she's not being covered by her head, Adam. And she gets into a conversation with the enemy. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has not said you will not eat of it, neither will you touch it. Right away, she's adding to the word of God. Because it never said don't touch. It just said don't eat of it. Probably best not to do either. But the fact of the matter is, she begins to add to the word of God. Now, adding to the word of God is something that should never be done according to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2, Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 32, Proverbs 30 verse 6, and Revelations 22, 18 and 19. We should never add nor take away from the word of God. That's crystal clear in the scriptures. Verse 4, and the serpent said unto the woman, you will not die. If you listen to me, you will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, thereof your eyes will be opened and you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And again, we've said in the past, yes, they did begin to know good and evil, but they could only know it through a fallen, ruined state. And th at that place, giving heed to the enemy, it would be again, as it's quoted in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, they would call good evil and evil good. They'd put light for darkness, darkness for light. They would put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The reason is, is again stated in Isaiah 8 and verse 20, it is because there's no light in them. There's no precise understanding because they left the word of God. Okay, so what we see, we can see, and if you follow it through the Bible, if you follow the Bible through, and it's preponderance, and you follow it all the way through, by that time, by that time, you see so many different things. And how the enemy, and believe me, is it just the fault of the woman? Okay, remember what I said. There are many godly men and many godly women in the Bible. Just like there are today, just like we have here, and I'm sure, and I know there are in Texas or anywhere else. Okay, we want to make that crystal clear. We're not speaking, at least I'm not speaking, of any particular person at all. Although we may know some in areas, but I'm not doing that uh, this morning. I'm just simply stating some facts from the scriptures. So if we follow it through, if we follow it all the way through, even the judges, by the time we get to the book of Judges, because men didn't operate in their proper order, their proper image, their proper place, God did use women, but he was using them to teach men. First and foremost, there's no question about it.
Okay, so if you follow it all the way through, by the time you get to when he speaks about the churches in Revelations 2 and 3, Christ himself, and by the time you get to Revelations, the 17th chapter, you're going to see names such as Jezebel. Jezebel. And we're going to get into that name because it was a specific woman and she operated treacherously and idolatrous in an idolatrous way against the word of God, against the man of God and the word of God. There's no question about that. But it is also a system. It is a complete role reversal of God's system. It's to turn it upside down and, and in this sense to do away with it. Through a, through a false order, right? So you replace that that is false, you replace that that is false from that that is truth, right? And that's why Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them in your word, your word is truth, and there's an order. And then and again, he said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's God's order, there's an order. And where there's a brand new created order in Christ in terms of the church with males and females. But by the time you get to Revelations chapters 2 and 3, you see the decline of the churches. Of course, it started in Ephesus and in Revelations 2, 4. They began to leave the freshness and energy of their first love. Again, we've said, they didn't, lose, they didn't lose love, they lost the freshness of it. They were getting away. Other things were replacing the freshness of God's love, the freshness of Christ himself in their life in certain areas. That began to happen. And then they began to lose the energy, which we certainly need to go forward and function in, in this world system, they it began to lose that. And by the time you get to the church of Thyatira, by the time you get there, amazing things are revealed there. As we really concentrate and look forward and concentrate and listen and with all of our hearts to the word of God this morning, because it's very, very necessary for us. And in some way, it's going to be counsel in our lives. It's very, very clear, very, very clear on, on these matters. Now, there's a lot that goes on about this, but the fact of the matter is, and I'm just going to read certain things this morning, and then we'll, we'll get into uh, the definition and counsel of God's word. And this has been said, like I said, there are other godly women, like in the Old Testament, Deborah. She was a, Esther. Great godly women that were functioning where men weren't functioning properly. And God still honored them because they functioned in the image that they had and which was true of them. But the fact of the matter is this. As one man of God has said, here it is. The decline of woman in Israel was always due to the invasion of heathen influences. What am I saying? That's the world. The world system began to infiltrate. How did Satan do it? How did he first do it? He did it in Genesis, the third chapter. 
He did it by getting the attention of a woman. Seriously. Now, has he done that with men? Of course. But this is what we're saying this morning. So what happened then? Morality began to lapse as idolatrous customs were introduced into, into certain areas by, by women in this way. By them listening, right, out of, out of proper headship, listening to the enemy. So the prominence of women in idolatry and in the abominations of foreign religions is indicated very much so in the writings of the prophets in Scripture. Here's the Scriptures in Jeremiah 7, verse 8. In Ezekiel 8, verse 14. And also in Exodus 22 and verse 18. The Word of God has said this. Can men just be as evil and function as evil as any woman? Yes, but we're talking about a reversal of a system right now. That's what we're talking about. Now, so the, what would be the sordid effect of idolatry? It, the sordid effect of idolatrous woman ruined the religious life of Judah and Israel and contributed to their overthrow. Now, who was doing that? It was the enemy through a woman. Okay? That's what it was. When a woman doesn't function in proper headship, she's open to the enemy. I don't care where we are, especially today in the church. If we understand the multitude of the cults that have been started by women, we can see it. Christian science Mary Baker Eddy. And on and on and on it goes. So many different, so many different things. For instance, the Pentecostal movement. The main feature there is women. And in certain roles, and we can say this, in certain, in culture, and I don't believe it's a cultural problem. I never believed that we ever had a cultural problem. It's a fleshly problem. Okay, but you know, in certain cultures, like in like in Italian and like in Spanish, the predominant people in those that function out of the order is women. It's women, and this is the reversal of God's order. This is no question of what it is, and so by the time we get to that, we can see that. By the time you get to Thyatira. The Church of Thyatira, and if you've done any study about those seven Asiatic churches, a deep study in the original languages and with a multitude of sources, okay, then you, you will find exactly what I have found by the grace of God. But we're going to see it. What do we see by the time we get to Thyatira? This is what we see. What we see is the church in the fullest way assorted to be Catholic. Okay, now here, Catholic in itself, the word means one, means universal, means one. But if we're going to talk about what is called the Catholic Church or the Catholic religion, tell me who's the dominant person in that false religion. Who's the dominant person? Mary. Not the true Mary. Not the true Virgin Mary. But one... Who, who was influenced, and boy, if we had the time this morning to get into these in a much deeper way, 
we would see it so even so clearly, much more clearly. That's the dominant, dominant one. They made Mary into something that came from the Babylonians. Let me tell you, and we don't have time to get into that this morning, but the truth of the matter is, it is the church. And the fullest way was, was, was this system designed by Satan as a woman entering into the true church in Thyatira. They were the true church, but it ent- began to enter in. I can't tell you the way that this was, <laughs> this was done. Fact of the matter is, watch what happened. It was the church at Thyatira began to be Catholic, and it was asserted that the church with its authoritative ver- voice, how many millions hear that authoritative voice of the so-called Pope who lifts up who? A woman. The authoritative voice. And, and, and it makes it clear that to all that are of God are bound to listen. You better listen to this because this is the true church. <laughs> well, but this is the woman. This is the woman who calls herself herself a prophetess. I don't know. We heard that lately. Anytime in the last, I don't know, 30 years or so, 40 years or so. Hmm? But who is really Jezebel. It's the Jezebel spirit. I don't know. When do we first hear about Jezebel? And we're going to find out even what her name means. Okay. When do we first hear about good old Jezzy? Well, you got to turn to, you have to turn to 1 Kings and those chapters, and I don't have time to read them and go into them like we, like we need to at some point, as God gives us. But when you read those chapters in 18 and 19, you're going to see there's three main characters in that chapter, three of them. There's there's. There is Elijah, who's the prophet. There is Ahab, the king of Israel. And then he has his little wife, Jezebel. You're going to see what happens when a man who's supposed to be king and rule because God is ruling over his life and to rule properly over him, he would rule properly over his wife. And we're going to see when that doesn't happen, old Jezzy takes over. Because Ahab was a weak king. Weak in terms of obeying the word of God. And when you don't obey the word of God as a man or as a husband in some form, you're going to submit to to wifey. You're going to submit to her. And the reason that you are is because you want her to take, so you can, you want her to take the lead so you can continue to live in areas of disobedience. There's no question about it. Okay. The word of God leaves out, doesn't leave a question about it, okay? So if you read 1 Kings 18 and 19, you're going to see where Ahab and all these false prophets, and you're going to see things, and when you read the 18th and 19th chapters, okay, when the role reversal was happening, where Jezebel was really the one that was ruling, Okay, she had her prophets 
all her prophets, 400 of them, right? Where, and it says literally in those chapters, 1 Kings 18 and 19, where she fed them and they ate at her table. <laughs> That's very, very, very descriptive. She fed them. Oh boy, she sure did. She fed them all kinds of lies. But, and she supported them. And as long as she supported them, they were submitted to her. 400 false prophets. Then Ahab, and you're going to see another guy in there that's mentioned also, Obadiah. And how he was a godly guy. He was godly. And he helped Elijah and he hid, he hid the 400 prophets that were of God so that Jezebel wouldn't slay them. <laughs> couldn't get rid of the truth of the word of God to those that were submitted to it. Let me tell you, this goes through a whole system. This goes right into the system to where we are right to this day where we are. Right? I don't know if you've had any dealings with the Catholic Church, but I can tell you one thing. Tell me these things aren't true. Tell me. The authoritative voice, you must submit. <laughs> All based upon the Jezebel spirit, a woman. And you can follow it through. Okay. Jezebel. Oh boy, Jezebel. Look, here's her name, Jezebel. It's always from a particular a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word we see, and we can see it brought out, woman, the woman, in Job 5.2 and Hosea 7 verse 11. It's, it's patha, P-A-T-H-A-H, patha, woman, and it means to open. Oh boy. I don't know. Did Satan have an opening when Eve began to listen to him? To open. And it's causative. And it's, the, it's in the Hebrew causative stem. To make. To make. And to make what? Room. To make roomy. To make roomy. And figuratively, it means this. It's in a mental or moral order. Interesting. It speaks of sense, but really, in this sense, it's nonsense, really. And what does it imply? It implies simple. Simple. And it has the word delude, to be deluded. And it also has the word ten times in the Hebrew to entice. I don't know. Did the enemy entice Eve, the woman? He most certainly did. Eight times that word is deceive. Did he deceive her? Four times that word is persuade. Did he persuade her? One time it's called the silly one. The silly one. And one other time it's called silly. And by the time we get to 1 Timothy 3, and boy, we are skipping over a lot because... We don't have the time to do it, but we'll do it the best that we can and trust God. But by the time you get to 1 Timothy, the third chapter, and you're going to see this, the third, we know in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, this know also that in the last days, I don't know, you think we're in the last days? Perilous, dangerous, hard, stressful times 
will come that are hard to deal with. Why? Look at this. Verse 2, for men will be lovers of their own self. They're going to order their lives in their fallen nature. That's what they're going to do. That's all we can do when we function outside of Christ, when we don't function in obedience to the express, crystal clear word of God. Lovers of their own selves. And you see it all the way down here, right? What? Be lovers of their own selves, right? Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without even natural affection. Boy, does that go into things. Natural affection, without natural affection. Right? Truce breakers, false accusers. And it has in the margin, make-bakes. Look up that word in the 1828 dictionary, make-bakes. It's in the margin of those that are what? That are what? False accusers. Incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. Look at here and here we go. Here's one of the most dangerous things for Christians today in the church, for us, for us personally. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I'm going to do just enough with the Word of God. Just enough. And then leave that and right back to my pleasures. Something is going to replace it. Something. And God's and the enemy is going to reverse the order. Lovers of God, lovers of pleasures. Oh, God. Well, what do we spend our time and our money on more? Lovers of God or lovers of pleasures? And who would we use to even excuse or make an excuse to live in that pleasure? Could it be we use family? Loved ones? Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> That's up to the individual in God in, in, in conviction. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, for such turn away. Here we are in verse 6. For of this sort, listen to this, of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women. Captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. Led away with all kinds of lust patterns. Very interesting. Look at what it says in verse 7. Ever learning and never able, never having the ability to come to the knowledge of the truth. Notice that? Notice that, see? And by the time we get to that Greek word there, silly woman, woman here, is a diminutive form or a lesser form of the word gune, women. And that's what the enemy likes to do. He wants to take a woman and bring her further away and, and bring her reduced down through getting her attention to reduce her down to be little and really the word silly is foolish, to become a foolish woman. Foolish woman who lives by her own understanding. 
and it's used contemptuously. There's great contempt with it. There's great contempt. A silly woman. Silly. Silly. It's unbelievable, the truth that's here. And we're just, we're just basically really scratching it here. We are. But read 1 Kings 18. Uh, 1 Kings, the 18th and 19th chapters. Read them. And you'll get a greater understanding of what God is giving us in counsel this morning. And we're going to get a, we'll get a much greater sense. Think of the cults that have been established and how the enemy, and he does use men, but in this sense I'm saying, he, in the way that he has used women who function outside of God's proper order. And in many cases it's because men, it's because men don't function in their proper order. They just don't. They don't. Look at what it says. When it says about her, and, and again, you're going to see this in the 18th and 19th chapters of 1 Kings to get an understanding, okay? Who was, who was Jezebel? One, who was, and even her name means one who was led by demons. Many, they call her, she was a she-devil, or there's only one devil, right? I don't know, but who was Eve at that point? Who was she listening to and giving herself over to? Right? Look at This woman Jezebel was a heartless woman, just like that system is. Just like any system is outside of Christ. She was a heartless woman with a bloodthirsty, belie, a bloodthirsty history that belied the name she bore. Because you know what her name actually really means in the Hebrew? It means chaste. Chaste. Virgin. Chaste. Free from carnal connection. It's literally what her name means. I don't know. What did the Catholic religion make the Virgin Mary? Something other than what she truly was. And used her to stand to establish to establish uh, this system by by nature she was a most what licentious lustful licentious woman unbelievable again we could go into her family connections we won't do that this morning but suffice it to say this is what she was listen Jezebel as the person in 1 Kings 18 and 19, she, was, she literally possessed an extraordinary force of character. She did. And she, her demeanor was one that she attracted immediate attention. No question about it. That's what she did. She would attract immediate attention. Right? She could have functioned in her proper role in a beautiful way, and, but she did not. Why? Because literally when you see it, and you'll see it in those chapters, she was an ardent idolater. She was an ardent idolater. I'm going to hold it right there for one second, and I'm going to read these verses, and they are 1 John 5, 20. 
Well, I'll, I'll say verse 19 in 1 John 5, 19 to 21. And we know that we are of God. How do we know that we're of God? When we function in his proper order, and functioning in his proper order, we function in our proper image, our proper place, and our proper place of worship. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world system lies in the lap of the wicked one. The whole world system, its order, lies in the lap of the wicked one. Verse 20, and we know, we, those that are Christ, know that the Son of God has come and have given us an understanding. He's given us an understanding this morning. That we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God. When you have a true God, you've got true order, true image, true God, and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. She was, Jezebel, and even as a system, is an idolatrous system. Just like the whole world system is. Just like the function, the Christian who sees functioning in obedience to the word of God goes right into the world and some kind of idol, some kind of pleasure is going to replace him. I would say, Christians, be careful in even in your business life not to mix pleasure with it. Even in your business life, don't mix pleasure, the pleasures. Don't try and seek comfort in the pleasures of the world and call it business. Be very careful. She was, listen to this now, and you're going to see it in those chapters of 1 Kings 18 and 19. She was a dominating wife. I'll tell you one thing. I thank God for the wife that I have. She is a godly lady. And I'm sure many of us can say that too. But I'm speaking for myself and nobody else. She was, Jezebel, a treacherous schemer. She was very treacherous, and so's the system. She loved personal adornment. She loved it. Just like many Christian women today go into the world and style themselves after the style of the world system. And certain areas aren't covered up like they probably should, like they absolutely should be. She loved personal adornment. You read 1 Peter, the third chapter, about women and how they should function apart from personal adornment. You look at it. And what did she do? Listen, she died a horrible death. And that system... And 1 John 2, verse 17. 1 John 2, 15 speaks to Christians today. Love not the world. Really, stop loving the world. We know the difference. Neither the things that are in the world, the adornment, the pleasures. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world, if any man or woman love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. 
And these are the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's First John 2.16, and you'll see it in Genesis 3 and verse 16. What appealed to the woman from Satan? The system. The system. The whole system. No wonder Christ functioned outside the system. You see, he functioned outside the camp in Hebrews, the 13th chapter. And and 12, 13, and 14, he functioned outside that worldly system that infiltrated the church, even here at Thyatira. And you'll see where where it even went down to. Follow it through. Because it even talks about Jezebel in 2.17 to 22 of Revelations. It talks about it expressly. If you study it clearly, if you dig and you labor and you study it and understand it so you can present the truth of it, and if you can't do it yourself, hopefully that God will give you someone that can by his pure grace. Listen. It speaks of, it speaks of identity and unity, these ch- the churches. But again, remember, The church, the world began to infiltrate. It began to infiltrate the church. That Catholic stuff. Again, as I said, it was the church with its authoritative voice to which all that are, quote-unquote, supposedly are of God, are bound to listen. This is the woman, again, that calls herself a prophetess, but who is really who? It's Jezebel. Jezebel. We're going to see, we're going to see those, those seven churches. And I don't want to get into numbers too much, but the scriptures are loaded with them and they have tremendous value in them, not to hype them and make them something even apart or more than the word of God, but they're very, they're very descriptive in that sense. So even the number, even the number, of seven. And by the time you get into certain things that we're not going to get into this morning because they are really, they would take us away from certain things. But you're going to see how it divides. Those churches are divided in chapters two and three. First chapter, there's four, the four churches. In the, in the second chapter, there's four churches. In the third chapter, there are three churches. There's specific reasons for that, very specific reasons. Okay. But they begin to be divided, those four from the three. There begins to be a division. And what would that indicate? Even in that, is that system infiltrates the church. There's a division. There's starting to be a separation. And what it does is indicates something that's not a bright and happy state of things. It's not. Why? Because the number of four, what does the number of four represent? The number of four is the number of the world. Number four is the number of the world system. And we can see it infiltrating. Why did they begin to lose the freshness of their first love? Because the world in some form was beginning to draw them away from their first love. They began to lose energy. 
a return of his love for him, just like it would happen in the life of a believer today. Again, be careful. Be careful. Christians, young people, business and pleasure. Business and pleasure. Be careful. Be careful. The enemy's very subtle, and so is the flesh. Four is the number of the world or the number of the creature. But here, creation as manifesting as it should. So it's the number of the creature, right? You know, we as God's creature, what should we do? We should manifest the glory of our creator. We should, the church, manifest the glory of Christ our creator. But something's happening. There's a system that's infiltrating. I can't even tell you the depth of this in my own conviction and in my own life. The glory of the creator as the supremacy, as the sovereign one. Then we have, when you divide four, what do you have? You have two. And two is the number of division. You can be separated from God or separated from that evil system in the flesh and separated to him, that's sanctification. Separated. Separated. See? So that's what that number can can represent, two. But when when we're separated from him, four, when we become separated from him, it speaks of essential frailty. Things are getting weaker. It speaks of contradiction. How many so-called things today contradict in so-called Christianity the truth of God's word? Contradiction and evil. That's what that too means, to be separated. To be separated as a Christian from him in disobedience or a lack of the truth of the word of God or a refusal or rejection of it is to enter into the essence of frailty. Weakness in the wrong sense, in the sense of contradiction and in the sense of evil. So in the first part, we find what is given as its character. What? Christ's rule over his people. That's right. That's what keeps the system out. That's what keeps the Jezebel system out. That's what keeps the reversal of God's order. I can't tell you in how many places that we have been where God has had us to minister one of the main things, one of the most dangerous and destructive things I see, I've seen, not as someone who's better, but as someone who's observing and God is teaching in that observance, in, in local assemblies, the reversal of God's order. What has happened is a result of it. Let me tell you. Now the male, the man, the husband submitting to the wife and being led by the wife. Well, really, why? Well, because there would be areas of disobedience and lust he just would soon as be satisfied in and is using her as an excuse. But it sets up a complete reversal of God's order. A complete reversal of it. Well, again, where do we see this? We see, we see that beginning to be a measure that's maintained. 
And then what do you see as you go down in the, the, the truth of those churches? And they were seven Asiatic churches, yes, but it's very descriptive of church history today where we are, and they can interchange and infiltrate. But the fact of the matter is, you tell me that we're not in Revelation 3, 14 to 20, the Laodicean age. We're rich, we're, we have we're wealth, we, uh, you know, um, you know, so God blessed us and gave us his word so we could live in the pleasures of the world. Feed on the world. Feed on pleasures. Pleasures. Feed on that in the flesh. Feed on the pleasures of the world as a Christian and just give this much time to the word of God. Nonsense. <laughs> I have to laugh when I say that. Oh, there's some conviction going. Nonsense. Nonsense. Putting something ahead. Not like the enemy wouldn't have a thousand and one excuses to do it. To excuse it or to make excuses once it's done. Bunch of nonsense. Like we don't know any better. <laughs> well, what do you see? What do you see further? You see the dwelling where Satan's throne is. And you know a throne is some kind of ruling and reigning. And he, can, he certainly can't possess individuals and possess us as the church, but he can certainly obsess us and lead us. There's no question about it. And he can seduce us. You see that in 1 Timothy 4 in verse 1 and 2, and I'm going to read that. And we're going to finish up here soon. And we're going to have to two and three, maybe four part this one, if it's God, if God so deigns to do so. This is 1 Timothy 4. One, now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, we're in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. I don't know, did Satan seduce Eve? Does he seduce Christians today that even know the word of God? Know that what they should do and still do, is he able to do so? Where's the hunger for the word of God? And I cry in my heart for that. Where is the hunger? You know, I used to think, and Barbara, my dear friend, Barbara Rathbun and I, we used to say, you know, God is creating in us a deep hunger for the word of God. I think it's at this point. He has to make Christians bring them to the point of absolute starvation, just like the prodigal had to get, who left his father's house. Had to get to the point of starvation till they would return to God, return to obedience, return to the word. Oh boy. Some will depart from the faith, all those truths in the word of God. And how? Through disobedience. Were they known? Yes, they were. Were they obeyed? No, they weren't. They departed. They will depart from the faith. Look at giving heed. Now what? Heed to seducing spirits. And doctrines that demons teach. Through men. Satan is an angel of light. You remember what Jesus said in, Ma in, in Matthew 6, 22? If, you're, if, you're, if your eye be evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If your eye is filled with light, your whole body will be filled with light. Then he said in 6, 23 of Matthew, if, if the light that be in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? What is that supposed to mean? Well, it means this, that Satan blinds the minds of them that believe not. <laughs> 
the God of this world. Did you hear that? First, First Corinthians 4, 4 is in a religious sense, the religious God of this world. Blinds the minds of them that refuse to believe. That refuse to. Satan is an angel of light in, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. And he has his ministers. He has his ministers. In 15 of 2 Corinthians 11. Look at what it says in verse 2 of 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy 4. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Pretender. I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling you the truth, but what really, what really is it? Oh, I really love God and I really love his word, but I'll see you later. I got to go please myself. I got to go get some pleasure. And I may even call it something else. And that something else is leading me away from the hunger and starvation of the word. Good, great, good gracious. I know one thing, I don't care. I know I have to have it. I don't care. I don't care, I know I have to have it. It's always whosoever will may come and drink the waters of life freely in Revelations 22 and 17. Boy, oh boy. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Oh boy, oh God, no. Verse 3, forbidding to marry. Oh, I don't know, what does that sound like? Priests, they shouldn't marry in the Catholic Church? You think there's been any kind of destructive patterns of behavior that have been found out recently in the last couple of three decades? Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Jeez, I don't know. Jeez, I don't know. Friday? Friday, does that ring a bell? Yeah, it rings a bell. Hopefully God's ringing our bell. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty solid. Waking us up. Yeah. Waking us up. It's a system. Listen to me. It's a system. It is a system. Right? The woman, Jezebel. It's a further step and departure from the truth now. Oh, God. Oh, boy. We have to wrap it up here. But let me say. We're going to have to go continue on this one. The reversal of God's order. The reversal of true image to a true man and a true woman. Uh, How God has created us to manifest his glory. Dear Lord, help us. Dear Lord, help us. And no wonder these churches were mired in Asia. You know, Asia, even, the, even that name, it means the miry land, murky, dark. The miry land, seven churches now mired in the world, mired in the world system. And no wonder Paul would always say, you ever read, and, I, and I'll close with this, you ever see what Paul says when he says things like, it's my gospel and my doctrine? And some would think, and again, this is a role reversal of God's order. 
Like, like, like God gave people to lift up the pastor when God gave the pastor to lift up his people to him. Talk about a reversal of order. Man taking the place of Christ in a local assembly. My pastor says this, and my pastor says that. Ah, fooey. Write that word down. <laughs> That's a brilliant word in this context. Oh, boy. He called it my gospel and my doctrine because it was intimately personal with him. That's why. It was, it was his. It, Christ was his. Christ was everything to him. And when he's not everything to us, some form of pleasure we will find. And we will excuse it. And when we do it, we'll make excuses for it. That's right. And don't think that anyone that walks in the light without condemnation or judgment doesn't discern it. I'm going to make that crystal clear. Okay, I'm like, oh boy, this must be God speaking through me. Because I know it ain't me. There's no question about it. Well, Asia. No wonder Paul finally, his own voyage to Rome had such typical significance. It's unbelievable. We're scratching this this morning. Okay, but what it does is it represents a stage in the church's declension. All the way through. It's a whole reversal of God's system. It is. A whole reversal. And but thank God we're in Christ. Thank God we have the truth. Thank God we can live in absolute, yeah, here it is again, humility, dependence, and obedience. Because in that obedience, all he wants to do in our obedience, with our will submitted, is for him to love us in the perfection and honor of his order. So that our image literally becomes the manifestation and glory of our creator. In Jesus' name, amen.